welcome to the Millennial Career Playbook's company interview series, which focuses on corporate cultures worth knowing about if you're a job-seeking millennial or simply enjoy working in millennial-friendly environments. This series offers you company-specific information you won't find anywhere else, helping you decide if a particular firm is a great fit for you, and also offering you tips on how to most effectively land a job with the company. I'm Debbie Woldrich, CEO of outsourced training company TTC Innovations, which specializes in providing corporations with customized millennial-focused training solutions. Hosting this series with me is best-selling author Haya Bender, whose credits include five dummies books and a complete idiot's guide, and articles for the New York Times. Please frequently visit our The Millennial Career Playbook website at tmcpb.com, as we're always adding new interviews and other content. Joining Hi and I today is Susan Springfield, Executive Vice President and Chief Credit Officer, Lynn Walker, Executive Vice President of Affinity Banking Strategy, and Natalie Flanders, Securities Portfolio Manager from the Regional Banking, Wealth Management, and Capital Market Services family of companies at First Horizon National. Susan, Lynn, and Natalie, thank you all so much for joining us today. Can you share for our audience a little bit how the company is structured and a little bit about the company? First Horizon is the parent company for our two primary businesses, which are First Tennessee Bank and FTN Financial. At First Tennessee Bank, we work with both business and consumer clients, offering products and services to help these customers with lending, deposits, and financial planning needs. We have the number one market share in Tennessee, and we have offices throughout the Southeast. FTN Financial is our fixed income business. In that business, we work with almost half the banks in the country, selling them bonds and helping them manage their investment portfolios. Can each of you please introduce yourself and talk a little bit about your role at First Horizon National? I'll go first. This is Susan Springfield. I'm the Executive Vice President and Chief Credit Officer for our company. I'm responsible for identifying and managing existing and emerging credit risk opportunities and issues for the company. I've been at First Tennessee for 17 years and in banking a total of 27 years. I was one of the founding members of our Women's Employee Resource Group 16 years ago. And this is Lynn Walker. I'm in a newly created role. I'm executive vice president in charge of our affinity banking strategy, an umbrella strategy and a long-term look at what we're doing around diversity and inclusion and making sure that we have a very sustained, inclusive, and innovative culture, not only for the talent in our bank, but also for our customer base. I've been at First Tennessee for nine years, but I'm a 30-plus year banker. And I guess that leaves me. My name is Natalie Flanders. I've been at First Horizon for about seven years. I spent the first five of those in investor relations and corporate strategy. I currently work in the treasury and funds management area where I manage our investment securities portfolio and our commercial pricing model. I am 28 years old, so I am our millennial on the call today. So thank you guys for inviting me to participate. I'd love to hear a little bit more about your company culture with all the awards, your top 50 companies for executive women, top diversity employer, 100 best companies for working mothers, top 10 diversity innovators, and the list really does go on and on. It's really founded on four principles, accountability, adaptability, integrity, and relationship. Embedded throughout all four of those tenants, the culture of employees first. We truly believe in investing in our employees and that they are our most important asset. You see assets on our balance sheet. There's numbers there, but behind those numbers are the great employees that we have that make them happen. We truly believe in employees first. And we've got a long history of that. 
that's not the soup of the day for us. That's been the culture of First Tennessee Bank really since its founding. That's one of the reasons why we tend to have very low employee turnover rates as well as customer rates because we know that if we do right by our employees, it translates over into how we treat customers. One example of how we take that seriously, each year we have many leaders take a leadership survey that their teams fill out on them. And they are expected to listen, engage, and learn from the feedback that those surveys provide. If there's areas where a leader is struggling, the bank will help that leader figure out how to meet those challenges and to take their leadership experience to a next level so that they're more successful there. One of our leaders had some challenges with his leadership survey, but he rolled up his sleeve, he embraced the feedback, and he really worked to make a change. And he ended up actually getting our top leadership award one year. He was voted the top leader in the bank. That just demonstrates the investment that this bank is intent on making and making sure we've got great leaders for great employees. From a customer standpoint, we take that very seriously, too, in terms of how we engage, how we're accountable with customers, how we build relationships, and how we do right by them. A few years ago, we formed a client advisory council. It's a council made up of diverse size companies. They're from all over our footprint, from all different types of industries. This council meets twice a year, and the purpose is to provide direct, candid feedback on our products and services and how we can enhance those and make them a better experience for clients. But it also is an opportunity for us to share what our goals and strategies are from the bank and for them to share with other peers so it becomes a great learning experience from both ends. And the final thing is it does provide them access to our top leaders. From our CEO on, our leaders engage with these clients. They sit down, they listen to them, and then we take the feedback we get and we put it into action, whether it's putting it on our product roadmap or tweaking a service that makes it better or enhances their use of it. So I think those are purposeful ways that we engage both around employees and customers. This culture and our value system starts at the top. Our CEO and management team encourages candor and transparency at every level, making sure that people know that they have a voice in this company. You come here and you know that people want to hear your perspective. We encourage credible challenge and we know that diverse perspectives will give us stronger results and allow us to view things not just in tunnel vision but in a broad view so that we become a better provider for our customers but also for our employees. And that culture is very, very real and vibrant. We have employees that we've brought on from other companies who even within 60 or 90 days have come back and said, you were right. We already feel valued. We feel like people really want to know what we're thinking. And it truly is an exceptional culture. One of the things that we do, and we do it several times a year in each market, is we have the executive team go out to each of our markets and we'll have several different meetings during that visit. We'll have an employee meeting where we present some information, but we also have a good bit of time for questions and comments. And then we typically break off into smaller groups where one or two of the senior leaders will go with a group, another will go with another group. And as Lynn said, we also sometimes do that with customers in these markets. And we get real-time feedback about 
what's going on in the company, what's working well, what's not. I can give you a personal example. We were out on one of our market visits and someone asked why some specific item was required in our credit policy. It was a very small point and I was surprised that it was being interpreted the way it was. And I said, are you sure? Are you sure? And so I said, well, it really should not work that way. And before we even got back to our headquarters here in Memphis, we had placed phone calls to say, we really need to get this fixed. We had that policy changed and clarified in less than 24 hours later. And there are other examples like that where we listen and we act on it. And so our employees see this in action. They know, gosh, when I speak up, even if they don't do everything I ask, they really are listening to me and will take under consideration ideas and comments and feedback. What programs do you have in place to support female executives? One of the things that we do is executive coaching. The bank is willing to make an investment and hire professional coaches so that they have a safe place to talk, bounce ideas off of, get different perspective and feedback in order to make them better, stronger leaders. I am an example of someone who has a professional coach. And in the time that I've been using the coach, my leadership scores have become much stronger. I also will attest to the fact that that's been incredibly impactful in terms of female executives knowing that they have really almost like a life coach, a career coach that they can talk to about issues that might be unique to women executives in the workplace. There's also conferences and outside events where we send women for more learning experiences, for more exposure, for even more opportunity to speak on our behalf and engage outside of the bank. There's things like advanced banking schools that we send our women execs to or other professional training like to enhance their ability to speak formally or informally in public. And then for up-and-coming leaders, there's our Emerging Leaders Program. And with the growing representation of women in leadership and executive positions in our bank, there's all kinds of ways that women engage with other women to learn in even more informal ways from each other. And that only happens if you've got better growing representation of women in the ranks. We have three female corporate board members who take a lot of initiative in getting to know our female executives as well as up-and-coming female leaders. Obviously, the overall board's getting to know all these folks, but our female board members have taken a special interest in the female executives. There aren't very many public companies that have three female board members who all have diverse experience in terms of the corporate world. So an opportunity for those of us who are female executives to learn from them and also get their advice and counsel, which they are open to. In addition to that, there is a real desire by our leadership team to specifically seek out female input when it wouldn't happen ordinarily. So if you happen to have a small area that doesn't have female representation, making sure that we're thinking about that, what type of advice do we need from female executives? Our head of human resources, John Daniel, has a real passion around developing diverse talent and specifically at the executive level, making sure that we continue to reflect female and minority representation in greater ways. We know it's going to make us a stronger company. In addition to that, we have an employee resource group dedicated to women. We call it Women's Initiative. It's our oldest employee resource group, 16 years. 
we purposely assign each of the major committees within the Women's Initiative a senior leader in the company who can help support them. But it's also really a training opportunity for those female executives to use skills that they might not use in their specific jobs. And then last but not least, and Lynn mentioned this, the opportunity to get external training and exposure, whether it's specific banking schools, risk management schools, communication skills, public speaking, et cetera. I'll also add on to that. Susan mentioned that we have three female board members, which is significant. We also have two female market presidents that report to the president of our bank. And these two women run major regions for our bank. If you've got it at the top, you will then make a lot more progress throughout the ranks. And so we're pretty proud of the representation we have. We've got a great starting place to even do better than most companies. Could you talk about sponsorship and mentorship? We have a formal mentoring program, people getting together, sharing advice and experiences of Sponsorship is an outgrowth of a mentoring relationship or can be where someone takes a real special interest in a known talent in the bank and not only engages them in good constructive feedback because you've got now a stronger relationship and a trusting relationship where you can have more candid feedback, but then also looks out for opportunities and recommends that person for promotional opportunities because they know them and they trust them and they know that they'll be an asset to a department or in a certain position. Our formal mentoring program pairs people across genders, across generations, across geographies, across job functions. It's really meant to cross-pollinate ideas and give people exposure to different areas, you know, a little bit of everything. I was the recipient of this. I'd been in my prior role for about five years, day-to-day worked with our CFO. Over time, we developed one of these informal mentorship relationships. And when I went to lunch with him, I told him I was ready for a new challenge. There wasn't really an opportunity open at that point that fit my interests, that fit my skill set. So our CFO, BJ, took the time to personally sit down with HR, design a rotational program where I spent six months in four different areas of the company so that I stayed challenged, so that I stayed engaged until an opportunity opened up that was the right fit. And that's kind of what we mean by sponsorship. It's not something formal, but really someone on our leadership team that takes the time and puts that personal interest in to develop rising talent. And it's not specific to me. We see that all over the corporation. I know that you have a 10-month leadership program. Can people sign up to be part of that or how are they selected? It is a selective program. Everybody that qualifies at certain salary grades can apply and you write essays, send in your resume, do a phone interview, and then you get recommendations from your manager and one other leader within the company. And if you are selected, it's usually a class of 20 to 25, and then it's a 10-month program that you go through that deals with everything from more concrete skills like the business of banking, which is a little more technical, to the softer skills around leadership, how to give and receive constructive feedback, how to coach your employees. It's a big investment on the company's part. It's a huge time commitment. It's a huge money commitment. The executive coaching that Susan and Lynn were talking about, we also got assigned those coaches for a year. So we got some of those same skill builders 
But one of the biggest benefits that I had was really getting to know other key people in areas of the company, other geographies of the company that I wouldn't really have had much opportunity to interact with before. Can't tell you how invaluable that has been in my role, really knowing who to call, how to beta test something that I'm using because I know people that would have a different perspective on that. The entire program was incredibly useful. The feedback portion, that's something that there's not really a school for going to learn how to give really good feedback, how to receive it. That's something that, I mean, we're all still working on, but it is an incredibly valuable skill. What other type of training opportunities are there? I can't tell you how much encouragement I and everybody I work with get to go get training that's furthering your education. If you had a manager that said, what if I invest my time, my money, my resources into my employees and they leave? And the good manager says, well, what if you don't and they'd stay? I'm studying for my CFA right now. The company helps support that, you know, whether that's the classes that I take or reimbursing me for the cost of the test. We do tuition reimbursement that I know a lot of people take advantage of. It's part of my development plan that I attend at least two third-party provided training every year. We do a lot of internal training. So within our division, once or twice a year, we do what we call summits where we pick important topics that our division is dealing with, and we do a half-day summit for everyone in the division. We also do Excel trainings, PowerPoint trainings, different database trainings. So there's a lot of it that's done both at the top of the house and then more departmentally or division-wise. I mentioned employee resource groups. All of our employee resource groups provide training, networking opportunities through their programming that really support the development of individual employees. There are opportunities to learn about communication skills, to read a particular business book and discuss it at a meeting. We have internal and external speakers that come in that talk about various topics. In addition to that, we've had board members come in and speak to different employee resource groups about their career path, things that they've learned. We have a newer employee resource group that was formed within the last year and a half called Gen Now, which is targeted at our younger generation, although it's open to every employee, really encouraging employees to learn to work with others across generations. And so those employee resource groups are another avenue for training employees. Natalie, in addition to everything that's already been mentioned, is there anything else that you especially appreciate in terms of being a millennial that you find is supportive, such as open door policies? Absolutely. Millennials make up about a quarter of our workforce and women make up about 60%. I think the world has changed. And I think what makes our company so attractive is that First Horizons adapted along with it. It seems like the days when you had these kind of strictly defined job descriptions and these more rigid chain of command kind of hierarchies are over. The new economy that we're living in demands a more nimble and flexible organization. So we expect employees to wear multiple hats today and take on a variety of different job responsibilities. And I think that really appeals to my generation. You know, you often hear that my generation likes a job hop and that we can't commit to something. And I really just, I don't think that's about the inability to commit. I think it's wanting to get exposure to more ideas and find more opportunities to learn about something new. And so our company really allows you to do that. You can find the aspects of your job that you're really passionate about and you can steer your career towards that. You're not in a box as far as that goes. 
that's something I value very, very highly about what I do. Also, our organizational hierarchy is getting flatter. I started here when I was 22. Even as young as I was, I had a whole lot of exposure to our executive management team. I was involved in these projects, all these meetings with our executive team, which is a pretty unique experience. A lot of companies, I would have worked on something, my manager would have taken it to our executive team, and any feedback that team had would come through my manager. I really got to be a part of those conversations. I got to be a part of hearing about what's important to our company, where we're going, what the future is going to look like, how we're going to get there. And I think for my generation, that's something we want. We want our jobs to feel like more than just a job. We don't want to feel like a cog in the machine. We really want to feel like we're making an impact, that that it means something, that we're useful, that we can really see how we're useful. And so I think that accessibility of our executive team is something you can't put a price on. And I think it's engendered a whole lot of loyalty out of my generation to our company. One more example of an open-door policy, we have what we call a first-power council. Lynn talked about our corporate culture earlier and the concept of putting employees first. This first-power council has been around for a number of years, and it's a cross-section of employees across geographies, lines of business, gender, age, race. Each member serves two years, but it's on a rotational basis. So every year there's some new faces and some that have stayed from the previous year. And this council really serves to be a little bit of an official representation of the eyes and ears of the company at every level in the organization. These individuals come in very safe environment and provide feedback about what's going on in the company on a quarterly basis. And quarterly, that information is shared with the executive team to make sure that we've got eyes and ears open to our employees and their thoughts and comments and questions. We mentioned our Emerging Leaders Program, a very diverse group of high potential folks in our company. We have twice a year a leadership forum where the top 200 leaders throughout our bank gather to talk about strategies and priorities for the bank and to share experiences. We also invite to those meetings and gatherings participants from our Emerging Leaders Program. They get to spend two days with our top 200 leaders in both informal conversations and informal meetings where we are talking about where our bank is going, what our priorities are, and this meeting is led by the CEO of our bank. And so that's another open access opportunity in our organization. Can you offer any tips to someone who's seeking to prepare for a successful career at your company? I was an intern at First Tennessee before I was hired here, and I can't tell you how invaluable that is. You're learning a lot of different things, how to operate in an office environment, articulate in a concise manner to you know your leadership, your managers. And you also get a rough skill set. You get exposure to different businesses, different industries. I think it's very hard as a college student with no internship experience or no part-time work experience in a field that you're trying to enter to really be able to talk intelligently and show where you can add value in an interview without that background. Not that it can't be done, but it's more difficult. Even if it's not an internship or a part-time job, volunteering is also great. I mean, if you volunteer in an organization, helping in any way with something that is related to what you want to do, that adds a lot of value. 
I will tell you anecdotally, one of the most impressive intern candidates that I've ever interviewed came in with an example of his work. So he had done some analysis on some data. He had put together a PowerPoint and he came in and handed us that example and walked through what he did and why he did it the way he did and the conclusions he came to, which showed us not only can he do the analysis, he knows how to talk intelligently about it and present it in a way that's digestible. That was incredibly impressive to me. So anytime that you can do those things where you can really put something in front of the potential employer that shows that you understand their needs, that makes you look incredibly attractive as a candidate. The college internship program that we have in the summer has some of the aspects of the Emerging Leader Program. And by that, I mean they come together weekly and different executives meet with all of the summer interns. We talk about career development. They have some networking opportunities as a part of that class. And as Natalie said, it's really meant to give them exposure, not just in the particular internship job that they applied for, but from a broader perspective. And from an employer perspective, it's a great opportunity for us to see potential long-term employees and how they perform during that summer internship program. Don't underestimate the importance of getting the basics right in every opportunity, whether it's coming dressed professionally for an interview and or once you get the job on the job, asking questions, remaining curious, having a good energy level. As Natalie said, doing your homework ahead of time, whether it's with someone you're going to meet or about the organization itself, to someone that's got that spark and willing to go that extra mile to get to know the company, get to know our people. As you've heard from the things we've said already, we take a real interest in each employee as well. And so it can be a really good mutual relationship when these potential employees come really well prepared and we welcome them with open arms. And just to pick up on that, be curious not only demonstrating that you're excited or passionate about what we have to offer you, but also ask good questions. And that does mean doing your homework, not only on our organization, but potentially on the person you'll be interviewing with, if you know who that is, and doing some background on them. People like to talk about themselves. They like to share experiences. You learn from that. So being curious about the organization and or the person that you're meeting with makes you stand out. The other thing that I would share is for people to really understand what their transferable skills are. An example of that, if you haven't been in a sales position, but you think that's where you want to be or you feel like you'd be an asset in that type of position, look back and see where you have sold or negotiated something or influenced someone to see something your way. That's a transferable skill that salespeople need. So really understanding how to connect the dots in terms of what your skill set is and how they can apply to the position that you're interested in. Being able to convince and articulate around that is key. What tips can you offer to someone once he or she is hired to enjoy a long and successful career at First Horizon National? The willingness to take on projects or maybe even responsibilities outside of your formally defined role, it not only gets you broader skill sets in doing that, but it also gets you broader networks. And you never know what will happen when you're meeting more and networking with other people. 
And also, again, people should be experiencing different careers within their long-term career, and that gives you that opportunity. You will find other opportunities in the bank if you do that type of networking. Continue to know yourself. Yourself morphs over your career. You're not the same person that you were in your 30s and 40s that you will be in your 50s and 60s. Things will change. Your experiences will be different. And that is a continuous learning process about self. And so the fact that we give coaches very early on, plus in even later stages of career, is really important. It helps you stay engaged with who you are, what you're passionate about, and what your values are at that time in your life. I agree with everything Lynn said. One other piece of advice I would have, and this is probably more stereotypically applied to women, but don't wait to be tapped on the shoulder to go ask for something. Sometimes we think if we just keep doing a really good job, someone will approach us with an opportunity. Don't wait for someone to approach you. Be willing to go and ask for more or ask for something you're interested in or pursue a different project because your leadership team doesn't necessarily know what you're interested in or what you want to do. So you kind of have to be proactive about your own career and your own goals. Our CEO, Brian, he calls it picking up your own ore. So you can't wait for someone to do it for you or tap you on the shoulder. You really have to make decisions and speak up on your own behalf. One of the things that makes our company unique is the fact that we do sincerely want people to come to work and know that they can be themselves and that we as an organization benefit when people find what makes them tick. There's a joint responsibility, we believe, in terms of career development. Natalie talked about an employee being willing to not wait until they're tapped on the shoulder. Lynn talked about volunteering for projects. So the employee has a responsibility and we believe the employer has an obligation to also help its employees explore what do they really enjoy doing, what are they really good at doing. And so it's that joint investment in finding out what is the way that employee is most valued, they feel most valued, and the company can utilize that talent. And that evolves over time. There are times in someone's life when they may need to do a part-time because of family obligations, but then come back full-time. There are times early in a career someone may feel like, I don't think I want to be in a sales position. Maybe they don't think they have the skill set. Lynn talked about transferable skills. We as an employer have an opportunity to work with them to say, what are skills that we believe we could tap into that you might not know you have? So step up, know yourself, let us work with you and help you develop that great career that's probably inside of you and together we'll grow. Anything that anyone would like to say before we end? Oh, I want to thank you for the opportunity that we have to be part of this interview. You can tell all three of us are incredibly proud to work for this organization, and we believe that what we've invested and what the company has invested in us is bearing fruit, and we speak on behalf, really, of all the employees the First Horizon. And I would also say, and I mentioned this very early on, that we have a real intent and desire and strategy to remain 
an employer of choice for high-performing, high-potential talent. All of those people out there who are interested in an opportunity with our company, we hope that they'll visit our website and reach out to employees that they may know in our organization because we do believe that we offer something very special both to our employees and to our customers and will only get better as we continue to attract great talent. Thank you. We really appreciate you sharing with us. Susan Lynn and Natalie, clear to see why, sorry, American Banker listing First Horizon is the best bank to work for shows in the passion that you've shared with us and all the information that you've shared with us. We really appreciate that. Hi, and I thank you for listening to this interview. Please frequently visit our The Millennial Career Playbook website at tmcpb.com as we're always adding new interviews and other content designed to help you find a job or enhance your career. Music.